0: All right, we're going to continue our study in cultivating a relationship with God, and um, today we're going to talk about prayer. Have you ever seen someone famous in person, perhaps at the airport or a grocery store? What kind of feelings came to mind when you saw that person? Well, if you're anything like me, you want to talk to that person. Uh, I mean, they're famous after all, right? And so you want to connect with someone who's larger than life that you've seen on TV or seen playing sports or something um, several years ago I was eating lunch at a Mexican restaurant in Dearborn and um and there sitting a few tables over was Joey Harrington the quarterback for the Detroit Lions so uh that was back when when people had a lot of hope in in the Lions and yeah. a, and in Joey Harrington <laughs> That's but been quite a while ago. But I saw him and I wanted to get his autograph. And so I went up to him and, and got his autograph on a receipt, um, the back of a receipt. That's all I had to, to write on. He wasn't too happy to be noticed. He kind of wanted to blend in and and um, not be noticed. But, but anyway, uh, I think part of us, part of how we are made, part of our nature is that we want to speak to people who are more powerful than we are. And um, I think it's, an observation about the human condition that, that ought to resonate with us, that we want to speak to people who are powerful. And that's one of the reasons why we go to God in prayer, and one of the reasons why we should go to God in prayer, that He is the Almighty God, the One who created the universe from nothing, that He is far above us. He is worthy, based on His character and His, His works, He is worthy of us talking to Him. But how do we do this? How do we have access to God? Well, this morning's class is on prayer and what it is that we should do in order to pray to God and how we should do it. And so let's ask God's help as we, we seek to do this today. Father, we're thankful for this great privilege that we have to learn from Your Word and to be reminded about truths that likely we already know, but we need to be reminded because we, we often uh, forget or we, we start to get into uh, sinful patterns or uh, patterns of laziness, and Lord, we need to step up um, our responsibility and, and, and recognize what a great privilege we have to come before your throne because of the work that's been done through Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit. Lord, help us this class to appreciate and to be motivated to pray more. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what I'm not going to do for you is give you a formula of what kinds of things or, or what to pray for. So here's a list. Just pray for all these things and you do that and you're going to be in good shape. Because um, meeting with God is not formulaic. Just like learning from God is not formulaic, you know, check off this list and then you're all set. It's the same thing with building any relationship. You don't just check off a list of things that I need to get done. Okay, I, need to spend, I need to talk to my spouse five minutes a day. You know I need to to do this thing this thing on the list that I need to get done today you know no we we want to to develop a relationship we talk we communicate and um, so let's let's think about some foundational things when it comes to to prayer here's a definition that I found to be helpful it is prayer is the spirit given word saturated response through communication to uh, to dwelling on God so we move from the point of that is that we move from the word of God, to to that is listening to God, to talking to God, that there is a natural connection. We'll talk about that more here as we move through. But but there's a natural connection to as we hear from God, we we speak to God, and um, so very simply, prayer is speaking to God. It's it's communicating with God. Um, it's it's not doing acts of service in the church. It's not doing acts of service outside of the church. Those can be helpful things, but those are not praying. Praying is something where we come to God and we talk to Him. And what what might this prayer look like? Well, one of the the, the um, acrostic um, items that have helped me in, in my praying, that structures that have helped me in my praying, is this one you have on your paper, pray. P stands for praise. So we should go to God praising Him, right? Psalm 100, verse 4 says, Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with, with praise. We ought to come to God praising Him for who He is. Just like we would expect if we were to go before a king, we wouldn't come and just start spilling out all of our complaints. We start with, with praise and, and honor. This is the God of the universe, after all, that we're speaking to. Secondly, repent. Repent. Psalm 32, 5 says, I will confess my transgressions to the lord praise repent and then ask james 4 2 says you do not have because you do not ask so the the implication is that we ask and jesus told us many times ask of your father you know why why do you not have the things that you don't that that you think you need because you don't ask so praise repent ask and then yield psalm 40 verse 8 says i delight to do your will or as Jesus prayed, remember in Luke 22, not my will, but yours be done. And so this acrostic structure can help you just fill up the content of your prayer. If you're thinking about prayers, instead of saying, okay, I need to talk to God today, and here's the list of things that I want, how about filling it up with how people pray throughout the scriptures, and that is that they include these kinds of things. Um, not necessarily in every prayer. You know, sometimes there are prayers like Nehemiah prays right before he goes before the king and he says, Lord, help me. It's just a quick prayer, Lord, help me. Um, and, and so those are, complete, those are completely appropriate. But I think in general, when we're sitting down, particularly we're thinking about our quiet time, in general we ought to be including these kinds of things, that we ought to be praising God for who He is, we ought to be repenting of our sins, acknowledging our, our sins before Him, and then asking Him of specific things and then, and then yielding to Him. It's a um, acrostic I learned from my pastor um, long time ago, probably 10 or 15 years ago, and um, I think he got it from Steve Pettit. From, you're familiar with him. I think he's got a little book on prayer that's that I've, I I was going to show it to you today. I forgot to bring it, but little little booklet on prayer. that's really helpful. Yes. The yield is is, God, here is what you're calling me to do. In other words, we're coming from what we see in the Scriptures, and we're saying, this is what you're calling me to do. Now, God, I yield myself to you in the sense that I'm, I'm willing to obey that. So it's basically just speaking to God about what I've seen that I need to do in the Scriptures. So Jesus, the, the example that I used was of Jesus going to the cross. He knew that God was calling him to do this, and he said, not my will, but, but yours. That's, that's a yielding of himself to God in that way. All right, so here a trinitarian framework just means we need to think about prayer in terms of the great the great resource that we have in in the fact that God in three persons is is fully interacting with us as we speak to him in prayer. And and this should not be surprising to us because it's part of God's attribute to be a relational Communicative God, relational. That's your blank there. Communicative God, communicating God. This is part of who God is, right? Do you realize that the God didn't need you. Uh, he didn't need you in order to to build a relationship. You know, you know, he's kind of had this emptiness in him, this empty hole in his heart, and so he had to create humans in order to to have some some people that could relate to him. No, God re- related in the Godhead eternally before anything was created, right? That there was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus said in John 17:24. He says, Father, as he's praying, I desire that they also, believers, whom you have given me, be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world." Jesus is saying that before any creation was, was in existence, that there was a loving, communicative relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And there was this perfect unity among them. And so, so what we need to recognize is that God is not doing this because He's trying to fill a hole in Himself. However, He has provided a way for us to to come and speak to him, which is amazing because he made us in his image, Genesis one, but then we turned from him, we, we turned our backs on him because of our sin. We didn't want his leadership. We didn't want his relationship. And yet God still provided a way for us to, to come and speak to him. And so this relational God that we have wants to speak. He wants to speak. He wants to hear from his people. And um, so, the source, the source of all prayer. Let's see, do I have that on there? Oh, that's that's way down there. I think I've got some of these mixed up here. On your handout, so I'll try to. Yeah, the source of all prayer is the the fatherhood of God. Yeah, I, I do have them mixed up. Sorry about that. Um, well, someone turn to Luke 11. I get a couple volunteers to read for me. Bill, Luke 11, 11 to 13. Someone else. Paul, James 1 17. Evan, 2 Corinthians 1 20. And then, if you're not turning to any of those, then you can turn to Hebrews chapter 4 and uh, a verse that we've looked at before, but. But it's a good um, base for this whole class. That we can have a relationship with God. Hebrews chapter 4. All right, Luke 11 11 to 13. much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask you. All right. So here what we want to see is that, or what we should see, I should say, is that that God is the source of our prayer, that 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 He is the so- source of all the good things that come to us. He's a loving Father who gives us good gifts when we ask Him, just like uh, a father would do to his son. He's not going to give him something that's going to harm him. Uh, the pattern in Scripture is to pray to the Father... Uh, it's not wrong to pray to the Son, it's not wrong to pray to the spirit, but the pattern generally is our general pattern ought to be Father right, our Father who art in heaven is the, is the way that Jesus taught us to pray so so that should be the general pattern just but i what I would encourage you to do is when you're praying, keep in mind to whom you're praying okay so so sometimes we just kind of mix them up just without even thinking, you know jesus, um you know thank you for. For whatever and and then we we say something like, Father, we're thankful that you died on the cross. Well, the Father didn't die on the cross. Okay, so we we need to to recognize that there is a unity within the Godhead, but a, there's also diversity in that there's three persons in one. And so just keep in mind who you're to whom you're speaking when you pray. And I, I realize that 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 I've mixed mixed them up um, before the names of God even as I prayed in public. So. Um, I recognize that's, that's uh, a reality. But, but what we need to see here is that God is the one who is the source of good gifts, and so we ought to pray to Him. I mean, you know, Jesus taught us that, that we ought to, to pray and ask for our daily needs to be met. And, and one of the things that maybe we kind of skip over in our society, particularly if we, we are in the middle class, for example, um, we we kind of skip over that prayer for our daily needs because, hey, you know, we already got we got this nest egg, we got some money in the bank, we got you know this job that keeps poured in money, we got um, Social Security, whatever it is, we just got money coming in. And so, do we really need to pray for bread to be on the table tomorrow? I mean, it's going to be there. And yet, what God says is, hey, I'm the provider of. Let's go back to the wilderness. I'm the provider of the manna, but keep praying for it. Okay, keep praying for it because I want you to be reminded that I'm the one who provides it when it comes on the table. And uh, I think that that's why Jesus taught us to do that, not because he was speaking to a generally poor society, but that we need to recognize our responsibility or God's, God's activity in the giving. So James one seventeen. All right, so there's, that's at the bottom of your page there, James 1.17. Every good gift comes from above. So any good thing that you have on the earth is because your Father gave it to you. That's what James 1.17 tells us. Listen to um, 2 Corinthians 1.20. All right, so the promises of God, that through Him, that's talking about Jesus, they are yes. That is, that they actually come to fruition through Jesus Christ. Here you have God working through His Son to accomplish what He wants. He's giving to us His Son. So the source of all things is God, but as Evan just read, it's through Jesus Christ that all these things become yes, that all the promises come to fruition, come to fulfillment. It's through Jesus. And so that's the next thing we need to see. That the reason um, that we can have confidence in prayer, the basis of all of our prayer, is the sonship of Jesus, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God through whom God works. That is, we can't come to God in prayer outside of our faith in Christ. And so your first blank there is Jesus is our high priest. Jesus is our high priest. So on what basis? We, we said, you know, we were created, but we turned from God. We were lost. We were enemies of God. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. And so on what basis can we now come to God and say, God, I'm offering this, this praise to you, but I'm also asking these things of you. On what basis can we do that? And the answer is found in the person of Jesus Christ. And, and, and He is our mediator, the Son of God, and He is the basis for our prayer. Look at Hebrews 4:14 4, to 16 again. Well, when are we in need? At what times in our our lives are we in need? Well, we sang a good song last week that, that I think about often. And it is, I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to thee. We need God every hour, and so this is how we ought to be. It really should be part of our, our relationship, that God is with us all the time, and so we can be praying to Him, as uh, Paul tells us, to pray without stopping. Um, next, the acceptance that Jesus has with the Father is the acceptance we now have in Him. The acceptance that Jesus has with the Father is the acceptance we now have with him. Turn over to Second Corinthians five, and this is a song that, or this is a verse that is the basis for a song that we'll sing in the morning service. His robes for mine, because Jesus here takes upon himself sin, even though he didn't know sin in the sense that he committed any. Notice uh, verse twenty-one. He, God, made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. When Chris Anderson wrote that song, he, he was thinking about this verse and the idea that, that Christ took upon Himself our robe, our robe of sin. Christ took it upon Himself. So He was treated as as though He were us, as though He were a sinner. Right? He He received the full punishment that we deserved for our sin. That's the robe of our sin that Jesus took upon Himself. You see that in the first part of the verse. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. But then we also received His robe of righteousness, didn't we? That His perfect life was was transferred to our account so that when God looks at us, He says, similarly to what He would say to Christ, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Why? Because we're so great No, because we have the robe of Christ's righteousness. And so the song goes, He as though I uh, accursed and left alone, I as though He embraced and welcomed home. We'll sing that in the morning service. But this is the basis from which it comes. And this ought to affect us as we think about this idea that we can go to God and it's on the basis of Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, if God hears the prayers of Jesus, he will also hear our prayers through Jesus. If he hears the prayers of Jesus, he will also hear our prayers through Jesus. One of the great encouragements, blessings of being a believer is that Jesus is constantly praying for you. He is interceding on your behalf. Romans 8:34 that He is constantly interceding in the, at the throne of grace, and and offering to you, uh, offering on your behalf prayers to the Father. And so, what we are expected to do is, um, let's see, turn over to John fourteen thirteen. We'll see this verse. John fourteen thirteen. Because sometimes we might get confused about what it means to finish with this little tagline at the end. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? Well, here Jesus Jesus is um, speaking, and he says to his disciples in verse 13, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So some believer didn't just come across this verse a long time ago and say, okay, so we need to ask it in his name, so let's add Jesus' name to the end of our Prayers. That's not what's going on. Instead, I think believers a long time ago understood that what Jesus was saying is is not you know add this magic tagline to the end, but instead when we pray in Jesus' name, we pray God. We believe this prayer to be in keeping with Jesus' purposes and with Jesus' will, with what Jesus has died for. That's what it means to pray in the name of Jesus, a pray in in a way that would be in keeping with the character and the purposes of Jesus. And so that's what we're doing. So we, we don't pray for things like, God, give me an opportunity for temptation. Give me an opportunity to be led into temptation. And then we finish by saying, in Jesus' name, Amen, and God provides it. That's, that's blasphemy, right? That's, that has nothing to do with Jesus' purposes. We pray for things that are in keeping with Jesus' name, and that's why we finish by saying, um, Lord, we believe this to be in keeping, effectively, with your reputation and with your desires. All right, any questions on the Father or the Son? So the basis or the source of all prayer is the Father, and the basis of all prayer is the Son. Bill? Would I be out of line to say that we pray to the Father always through Christ the Son? No, he would not be out of line to say that. Yep. All of our prayers are to the Father, through the Son. But, but again, um, I would say that it's not inappropriate to pray for to the Son, um, and we would pray on the basis of the relationship that we have with with the Son. But, but generally speaking, we're speaking to the Father. Yeah. All right. So this third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, is the one who enables us to pray to pray. He's the one who enables us to pray. So let's um, well, let's see. We're here in John 16, so it would be good to look that one, that one up first. The first way that the Holy Spirit empowers us to pray is by drawing us to saving faith in Christ. Look at chapter 16, verse 7. Saving faith in Christ. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, Jesus says to the disciples, the Helper... Holy Spirit will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. So, the Holy Spirit empowers us to pray first by reconciling us to God. We cannot come to God and pray to God with any expectation of Him hearing or responding. Right? God doesn't hear the prayers of the wicked, does He? Not that He can't hear or He's deaf in some way. No, it's, it's that He doesn't listen to them and respond to them. Right? What God responds to are those who are His children. And, and we need to be brought into that new relationship and this is what the Holy Spirit does for us. And obviously that's through Christ as well, and that's sourced in God. But but the point is that the Holy Spirit, right? John 3, 5, and 6 says, tell us that unless we are born of water and the Spirit, we cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Turn over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. The second way that the Holy Spirit empowers us to pray is by assuring us of our adoption. He assures us of our adoption. The Holy Spirit in Ephesians is called the down payment, the pledge of our inheritance. So, do you want to know that you are in Christ? Do you want to know that you're going to receive the rewards in the end? Then, then, then. Uh, then God has provided a way for you to know that, and that is through the Holy Spirit. He is that pledge. Notice chapter 8, verse 16. Someone read that verse for us, Romans eight sixteen. Yourself, spirit, All right, so here is one of the ways that we can be assured that we are in God's family, that God's Spirit testifies with our immaterial person they are immaterial, the immaterial part of who we are. He testifies that we are the children of God. And so there's some kind of a you know, subjective way in which we can hear from God that God speaks to us through His Spirit that, hey, see these signs of life? See these evidences of fruit? That's my Holy Spirit telling you that, that you are a child of God. So the Holy Spirit draws us by saving faith, and then He empowers us by assuring us of our adoption. And then lastly, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Let's uh, let's look at verse 34 because we skipped over this one. We were looking at Jesus. But uh, verse 33 says, Romans eight thirty three. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? Who is the one who justifies? Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is He who died, yes, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Christian, grab that verse. Hold on to it. Meditate on it. And think about that, that Jesus Christ is interceding for us, for you, if you are a child of God. Now look at verse, verses 26 and 27. And we'll see that the Holy Spirit also is interceding on our behalf as well. Someone read those verses. In the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness. But we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us and grows to meet the word. And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the same according to the will of God. All right, another great verse to to reflect on. The Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. He knows uh, when when we were studying through this passage we saw that, that the Holy Spirit is a great interceder because He knows the mind of God and He knows the mind of man. He knows the mind of you His child, God's child. And so what better person that can know your heart and know what God desires and know how to pray for you and that's what the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus does on your behalf, and so He is the the enabler of our prayer. So that when we don't have words, you know, sometimes we just pray like, "God, I don't even know how to pray for this situation. I'm so perplexed about what's going on." The Holy Spirit um, knows how to pray for us. Jesus knows how to pray for us, and so He enables us in that way and so we can take great courage in the fact that we have access to God the Father through the mediation of the Son and through the enabling of the Holy Spirit who draws us to faith assures us of our salvation and prays when we don't know how to pray all right any questions on on going to God in prayer that's kind of the theological foundation for for this uh, session here. Now we want to move a little bit more into the practical. Let me ask you a question here you have on your handout. Why isn't prayer alone enough to sustain our fellowship with God? Why not just pray? Or we could say it the other way, why not just read God's Word? Why, why do we need both of them? And uh, One writer says this is because the Word of God is objective while the other disciplines, including prayer, are relatively subjective. And so if we don't have the Word of God as our foundation, then our prayers can just become um, very weak and milk-toasty, right? Because they're not based on anything. You know, we we might base them on what other people in the world say, you know, kind of these cute memes that are all over the... Facebook and all that. We we base our prayers on those kinds of things, but but if they're not based on truth, then what is what does that do for us? And and the point is is that that the word of God is objective. There's no change to it. It's clear that this is God speaking to us. While our prayers and, and so our prayers can't just be completely subjective. They have to be based on something that is objective, do you see? And and so that's why we spent so much time looking at our responsibility to look at the Scriptures because the Word of God is primary in prayer. We don't know how to pray as we ought, and and the reason that we don't know is because we don't know the Word enough. We don't know ourselves enough. We don't see God properly. We don't see sin properly. We don't see the world in its proper perspective. So the more that we come to know God's Word, the better our prayers will be. You see? have you ever been in the presence of someone who prayed and and their their prayers were just dripping with the scriptures that 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 their their prayers are being informed by the scriptures and and when you pray with that person it feels like you're actually in the presence of god okay not in a in a mystical way or anything like that but but you have a sense that this person actually has a relationship with god do you know why that is It's because they have this source, this objective foundation, which is the Word of God. And prayer, no matter how sincere, is only a fantasy if it's not based on reality. And so we need to have a a prayer that is based on reality, which is the Word of God. And so that's why I spent the first two classes just talking about um, talking to God or meeting with God in His Word. Because if we, we don't know who God is, we don't know who oursel- who we ourselves are, if we don't know the world in its proper perspective, we're not going to be able to pray as well. Now, that shouldn't um, keep us from praying. Say, well, I, I don't have a good foundation. I haven't been to any school for Bible. I haven't been to seminary. No, that's not the point. The point is, is that we need to, to, to recognize that we need to keep going back to the fountain. And that will help inform our, our prayers. It will help um, feed us, right? What we put into our minds is going to come out of our mouths. What what we fill up our hearts, our hearts will eventually um, come out of our mouth because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And the same thing is true with prayer. And so reality ought to drive our prayers. And this means that... that when we come to know the, the all-encompassing power and knowledge and wisdom of God that we'll want to, to, to tap into that great resource and use it as a way to provide for us or, or to accomplish God's purposes in the world. right? As we see, oh, God, God is helping His people. God does have the power to help His people. And, and now I'm in a situation where I need help. Or I know of a person who's in a situation where where he needs help. Well, God, I've seen him act in those other cases in the Bible, right? And so now I'm going to pray to God uh, with, with that kind of mindset. And I'm going to fill up my prayers with the kinds of things that people in the Scriptures prayed for. I'm going to want to see the Gospel spread to more and more people. I'm going to want to see the Gospel spread through me. So, in other words, we can't talk to God unless God first has talked to us. Okay? Now, in, in the biggest sense, that has to be true, right? We, we can't come to God apart from God for speaking. And, and He has spoken in His Word, right? He's given us the Gospel. So, so we can't come to God. But I think even in a, in a more immediate sense, we can't come to God properly unless God has first spoken to us. So we speak God's thoughts back to Him. We, we know what God's will is and we can pray in Jesus name according to his reputation because we know the scriptures and so reading God's word will help inform our prayers and they'll help point us to to what what glorifies God most instead of a more me-centered prayers you know pray for my hangnail pray for my you know um, situation my my aunt's you know friends whatever Um... Not that those are unimportant but but primarily what i 'm praying for are the big things that god 's concerned about right it's not we should not exclude physical requests okay there's lots of examples in the scripture where people pray for physical requests. in fact, uh, many people were condemned for not doing that. One of the kings i I always forget his name but but towards the end of his life um He had a disease in his feet, but instead of seeking God, he sought the the physicians. How many times has that happened to us, right? We go immediately to the physicians without asking the great physician. And so the point is not that we don't pray for physical things. We should, but that should not be all we pray for. Because if you look at the content of the prayers in Scripture, there is very little that has to do with physical requests, and that's because... Believers recognize that there is something more important than the physical world. That there's something bigger going on than what's just seen. It's this spiritual warfare that's going on. And so what believers pray for are spiritual things. For people to be called out of darkness into light. For people not to be captured by the grip of this world. And as we study the Scriptures more and see how people pray... Then, then we, we learn from that. And I think we can learn from Jesus um, in, in the way that he taught the disciples how to pray, Luke 11. The disciples ask him to pray, and Jesus gives them a model, but doesn't get into any, besides the provision of food, there's not any physical requests there. He's praying for bigger things. And, and so the word helps us to guide how we pray. George Mueller was a man known for his incredible prayer life. He never asked for money. He only prayed for it. So when he needed something, he would just go to the Lord in prayer until he knew it was answered. Sometimes it was hundreds of days in a row. Sometimes it was thousands of days in a row. And yet, George Mueller knew the primacy of God's Word and he let it inform his prayer life. Listen to how George Mueller prayed or listen how he determined that he ought to pray. He came to a realization at one point in his life, and he said this, Before this time, before I came to this realization, my practice had been, at least for ten years previously, as a habitual thing to give myself to prayer after having dressed in the morning. And yet now, here's where your quote starts. Since God has taught me this point, it is as plain to me as anything that the first thing the child of God has to do morning by morning is to obtain food for his inner man. Now, what is food for the inner man? Not prayer, but the Word of God. And here again, not the simple reading of the Word of God so that it only passes through our minds just as water passes through the pipe, but considering what we read, pondering over it, and applying it to our hearts. So, he's saying, before I can pray, pray I need to understand the Word of God. He said, what, what, I, what I came to realize is that the most important thing was to give myself to the reading of God's Word and to meditation on it so that his heart would be stir, stirred and so that that would naturally lead him to, to communion with the Lord. Have you found that to be the case for yourself? That as you come to spend time listening to God speak, that your heart naturally goes to speaking to God, that you want to talk to Him about these things that you've seen. God, what a great God you are. To provide this way for me to come to Christ, or God, you know, as I've been studying this specific sin of anger or whatever it is, you know, I've come to realize that that's not me. And now I want to, I want to talk to you about that. And so he goes on to say, Mueller says, the result I have found to be most invariably this: that after a few minutes, my soul has been led to confession. That is, a few minutes in the Scriptures and meditating on it, thinking about it. It's led to confession, thanksgiving, intercession, supplication. So that though I did not, as it were, give myself to prayer, but rather I gave myself to meditation, it almost immediately or automatically turned me into praying to God. And so... Maybe you've been thinking, you know, in your quiet time, you know, maybe it's better for me to pray first and then to read the Scriptures. What I would encourage you to do is do it the other way around if you don't already. Read the Scriptures first. Meditate on them. Memorize some verses, whatever your pattern is. Get into the Scriptures and allow that to inform your prayers. And, and um, that will actually help fuel your prayers. And that's one of the great ways to pray Scripture. You know, sometimes we wonder how some people can pray for so long. You know, pray for a whole hour, are you kidding me? Two hours, three hours, some of these Puritans, You, I mean, I mean, are you serious? How could they possibly do this? And And part of the reason is because we have become, I think in some ways, task-oriented that we have a checklist of things we want to get done in our prayers. So we have some people that we want to pray for, and we get through those and then we're like, I don't really have anything else to say. But if we allow the Scriptures to be the springboard from which we pray, then actually we'll be able to fill up our Scriptures not only with thoughts of what we've just looked at, but actually words from what we've just looked at. So let me give you an example. Turn to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. One of the great ways to pray is just by studying the prayers of Scripture and then praying... The words of Scripture back to God, not not in a formulaic, formulaic way or in a, a vainless repetition type of way, but but um, but in a way that informs our thinking. And a good book to help you on this is is Don Carson's book um, that I recommended a couple months ago, which was um, a call to spiritual reformation. He basically just goes through the prayers of Paul and studies them and helps you uh, unpack some of what's there. Here's one of the prayers of Paul in, in chapter 1, Philippians, verse 9. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So, how is it that Paul prays here? What is he praying for? We could just look at this text quickly and see. He's praying for the love of believers to grow more and more. And and there's a reason for that in verse 10, so that they may approve all things, that they'll be found blameless on the day of Christ, so that they'll be able to produce fruit, verse 11, or God will produce fruit through them. So here's something to pray for the people on your list for that day. God, would you help this person to grow in the love of, of you and, 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 and in their love for one another. Their love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and discernment so that they would grow in their knowledge and love for your Word. Would you cause them to do that so that in the final day that they will be found spotless on the day of Christ. So, do you see how you can just pray back uh, Scripture right back to God? Use your morning time of, of, of um, quiet time with God to pray for others. And so, I have several passages like this, just small passages, maybe three to five verses of prayers of Paul or other uh, believers throughout the scriptures, and I have one for each day. So, for example, one day I use Colossians 1.9, which just says that, that the believers would grow in the knowledge, all knowledge and spiritual understanding. And so, for the people on my list that day, I pray for that. I pray that they will grow in all knowledge and spiritual understanding. And and when I finish praying, I can say what you can say, which is I pray this in keeping with Jesus' name, in keeping with Jesus' reputation. I know that this is something that Jesus wants because it's in your word, God. You know, there's, there's um, something very weak about generic prayers. God bless the missionaries. I mean, there's not much thought that's given to that. Sometimes we say that without even thinking. Because we wouldn't know if God ever answered that, right? God blessed the missionaries. Well, which missionaries? Right? And what does it mean to bless them? And we kind of just, well, we'll leave it to God. He knows. But but one of the great benefits and joys of praying specifically is that you can see God answer specifically. And so, it's not wrong to pray generically. I mean, Jesus, in His prayer that He gave to the disciples, right, was, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. That's pretty big. And Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And and keep us from temptation. You know, some of these are uh, pretty generic requests. So, it's not wrong to do that, but we just need to keep in mind that if all of our prayers are are, I think, generic, then we we shouldn't be surprised when when we're not too excited when God answers them because we may never know. So, practically, uh, don't rely on your emotions. Okay, so when you're praying, you might think, well, you know, it doesn't feel like this is doing anything. Well, on what basis are you coming to God in prayer? Well, on what basis can you pray to God? And the answer is, You've prayed to God because God has spoken to you. He's told you that you've been able to pray. And you come through Jesus Christ. Because we have a great high priest, um, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, we must go boldly before the throne of grace. And so as we go, we we need to, even when we don't feel like our prayers are getting past the ceiling, that, that God is actually hearing us because we are His children. So trust God's Word. Don't rely on your emotions when you don't feel like your prayers are going anywhere. Secondly, don't forget to plan. There are lots of things that we're commanded to pray for. Um, You know, Paul says that you need to pray for all people. Um, He says we need to pray specifically for kings. We need to pray for, you know, other believers. We need to pray for our family. So, one of the things that that I pray for every day, I pray for my family, and then I pray for several of you by name. I just take the church directory and I break it down into five days, and so every day I'm praying for uh, several of the members of this church. And I'm praying specifically for things that I've seen in the scriptures that morning. Okay, so maybe I'm not looking at a specific prayer, of Paul, but that does—I always have a, a prayer, of Paul, that I that I can draw from to help inform my prayer. Um, I, in addition to that, I pray for two of our missionaries. So I I pick two of our missionaries and just pray for them um, on a given day, so that throughout a week I'm praying for all of them. And then. Uh, you know, I pray for other churches in this area. I pray for, um, I pray for extended family members, and a number of other things. But but those are the primary things. And I'm trying to inform all my prayers with what I've seen in the scriptures. So I don't know what kind of pattern you have, and I'm not saying mine is, you know, mine is the best pattern or anything. But but it's just an idea, and and it would help you if you planned. So make a plan. Just write it out. What is it that I need to be praying for? and And what kinds of things do I need to be praying about and so, as you go through the scriptures, that'll help that'll help in that way. Any questions or comments? all right, we yes, right yeah, 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 exactly, please. With their eyes open. Yeah, and I do that because I've got an hour. Yeah. And instead of worrying about the guy driving crazy around and getting upset, I pray. Yeah. And he did that when he prays at night and hold his hand and closes his eyes. And I told him, I said, I think he's got here, but never will be our Yeah, absolutely. I would say um, there's no, no demand in Scripture to pray with eyes open or closed. So, um, you know, we, we do that. I mean, I, I was told to do it all growing up when we were kids, and um, primarily it was just to keep from distraction. I found that it actually is less distracting when I do have my eyes closed. But, um, you know, one of the pra- one of the ways that I pray is by just typing out my prayers to keep more focused. And so I'm doing that with my eyes open, you know. So... But, um, yeah. what's that? Yeah, yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, there's no, there's nothing. I mean, we do that in our church just as habit, but there's nothing, you know, nothing unspiritual about a person looking around, um, necessarily. Um, if, if they're being distracted and not thinking about talking to God, then, then that's the problem, you know. I find way. Yeah, yeah. yeah it. yeah well, it's true, I think in a lot of areas of life, right I mean, there's lots of diff- different conflicts that rise up around us and and as we're praying to God, we are less likely to act out in sin Good. yeah, all right, let's pray, Paul, thank you for this great privilege. Help us not to take it for granted or take it lightly. Um, Help us to get better at it, to improve all the way until the day in which you call us home uh, or when Christ comes. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.